We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. Week 8, waiver wire, pickups, power rankings, week 7 recap. We got a full injury report. If you want to check out the snap shares and the rankings just to follow along, these will be updated all throughout the week because this is a living document. Injuries happen, injuries change things. So the rankings will be updated after Monday Night Football, again Tuesday morning, again Tuesday night for the actual pickup power rankings. You know, one injury can change a whole lot, but it is up right now on DKPlaybook.com. You can also find the link in the description of this video or podcast and just you know bookmark it or something like that or don't look at it i don't really care to tell you the truth just watch the show and while you're here smash the like button leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me right now if you had to choose and you had the number one waiver priority you didn't even have priority these two players were here but you had room for only one of them which one would you rather have would you rather have chase edmonds for the rest of the season or latavius murray for the rest of the season because that's a conundrum some people i mean not so much in deeper leagues but shallower leagues they're gonna have that problem this week which one do you end up picking up i'll have salvetri on here momentarily to talk through that just a little bit but before we get to that i do want to let everyone know that's one way you can get into the draw for 20 dk bucks other ways you can get into the draw for 20 dk dollars super easy subscribe rate review and download the pat mayo experience audio podcast on itunes stitcher spotify Castbox, wherever you download your podcast leave a five-star review DraftKings handle and something you like about the show so few people actually do this despite the fact that it is the most important thing to the pat mayo experience podcast and the longevity of this podcast especially to keep it free i don't need to go bring this premium so i can actually get paid for this the actual podcast reviews help out the most so please go do that and you'll be in the draw for 20 dk bucks just like you will if you follow me on instagram at the pme the quest for 10,000 followers begins well last week we got like 90 or something like that we can do better people i know you have instagram give me a follow at the pme you see a sports photo pop up on your feed just use 
the description, in the comment section, and leave your DraftKings handle, and you'll be in the draw for 20 DK bucks. Winners from last week already credited your 20 DK dollars, moving quickly during the NFL season. We got Sue, 2000, J Jack, 2210, Johnny, 1925, Glory Hole. Whew, must be fun, man. Huge Daryl. I hope Huge Daryl's not in the glory hole. You don't want to get that shit stuck. Zach McGroin. Jesus Christ. These are all like the same sort of like weird sexual innuendos. Yeah. Here we go. Matt Prescizi. Well, I can't say your name, but you got 20 DK bucks. Axe Flex P. Collier. 19. Eric Block. Thomas Mr. 10. Luck of the 12. All the winners of the 20 DK dollars. Joining me. Right now, from his YouTube channel and myriad different places, it's Sal Fetri. What's going on, my man? Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, it's uh, a busy morning, Monday, right? Recapping everything. And also, the NBA starts tomorrow. So for me, trying to be a little bit bold and, and still make a daily NBA video during the NFL, we'll, we'll see if it happens, but we're one for one so far. Daily NBA videos during the course of NFL season. I remember when I used to cover baseball full time and I used to have that September and I was still covering golf full time. So there'd be golf, baseball and football all going on for the first month of September. And I got to tell you, there's a reason I don't cover baseball anymore. You know, I I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. I did. I did baseball in sort of the down season over the summer, right around the NBA playoffs. Uh, and WNBA at the same time. So it was, uh, it was three at once, and they were all kind of, once you get into a process, easy to get the routine down. But, man, uh, yeah, I, I agree on the baseball stance, especially for DFS. It's not the most fun sport. No, no, it's not super fun. Season-long fantasy baseball is even worse at this point, actually. It's actually, I quit playing it because it was tiresome to play. Like, if you just ended it at the All-Star break, it'd be better. I've been on this rant far too many times. If you do want to get ready for the fantasy basketball season, especially DraftKings basketball season, obviously follow Sal's YouTube channel, at SalVetri. Super easy to find. You can find it all up there. But if you use the promo code THEPME, T-H-E-P-M-E, at DailyRoto.com, you'll get full access to all the projections their lineup builders their optimizers all their strategy articles just use the promo code the pme tells you that pat mayo sent you highly recommend it Uh, a lot of winning players use the daily roto projection tools uh and they're the best in the business straight up they're the one that i subscribe to uh for every single sport and you can do it for every single sport that code works for whatever you want to follow i know drewby who's going to be on the show this week uh won another like 125k last night playing showdown he dominates hockey the guy's got to leave some money for the rest of us i'm not going to lie to you but dailyroto.com the pme to get you ready football basketball whatever it is that you like so if you had to answer the question you only had room for one of these guys on your roster and it was chase edmonds or latavius murray which one do you think it would be yeah, I think like my personal situation, Chase Edmonds, but I, I do think it's a little bit situational. Like if you need to win the next two weeks or so uh, to actually make your playoffs or whatever it might be in that stance, it's probably Latavius Murray. If you're in a spot where you feel comfortable, I think you kind of ride it out with a Chase Edmonds. Uh, and that's where I stand, especially it seems a little bit murky with David Johnson's situation right now. Yeah, I don't quite understand what's going on with David Johnson right now. We'll get into a whole David Johnson discussion here in a minute because Fucking crybabies out there, by the way. Just, oh, Johnson didn't play. The reporters didn't tell us anything. Well, you know what? Maybe Cliff Kingsbury was like, hey, we're not going to tell them. And then the Giants won't know either. And this will help our game plan just a smidge. 
You might want to consider that next time you just like go online and just start bitching about things. It sucks. I played David Johnson. It was horrible. You, know, you, you get over it pretty easily if this isn't your entire life. So just figure that stuff out. Quit being little whiny babies online about it. Uh, either way, I think I like Murray over Edmonds anyway, because I do think that David Johnson's going to be back. We've already heard rumors circulating on Monday morning that they brought in Jay Ajayi to work out for the Cardinals. I believe there was someone else too, like someone who's just like not good whatsoever. But that just leads me to believe that maybe David Johnson's injured more seriously than we had thought yeah I agree I saw the JHI news and that's exactly what I was gonna was gonna touch on that there's probably something else going on there Ajayi hasn't been in football for a little while now coming off his own injury um but yeah we'll monitor and track that and yeah the thing with right now Kamara it does seem like there's going to be some time missed and it seems like this might be more of a, a high ankle sprain that they were letting on to begin with yeah, so four to six weeks is usually the general timetable. I mean, Saquon Barkley just went through this, and I don't know if Kamara is like a freak like Saquon Barkley was, but it still took him the four weeks to come back and recover. So let's say minimum three more weeks for Kamara being out. I mean, Latavius Murray played over 80% of the snaps. It's essentially the Gallman situation, but with a better player. So that's always good news. Yeah, I agree. And actually, like thinking back on it in, in me and personally in some lineups, if you feel comfortable taking Edmonds, I, I think you still do actually take Murray there. Because even if you're comfortable at running back, it's just another piece in terms of trade packages you could pair with a, a middle of the pack wide receiver and try and increase one of your other positions that you lack at, whether it's tight end quarterback. So even if you don't need him for these next three weeks, whatever it might be with Kamara out, uh, if, it, if that's how long it's going to be, it's still a nice piece to have in terms of trade bait during that time. Uh, The one issue with Murray, now fortunately he's being used in the passing game and he's always on the field, and we might get Drew Brees back eventually. I mean, the the game was off the board as of this morning uh, for next week just because they thought Drew Brees might come back. I still don't think we see him until week 10 just because they've been rolling along so well. Why put him at any sort of risk to come back? But Cardinals, Falcons, Buccaneers, Panthers, the next four weeks would be Latavius Murray's schedule. I think there's actually a buy in there somewhere. Yeah. I guess we'll figure that out later. But either way, uh, the Buccaneers and Falcons actually have pretty good run defenses. Uh, we know about the Bucks, but sneaky underrated. The Falcons' terrible defense. Now, maybe the run defense isn't also great, although they bottled up Gurley again yesterday. It didn't really help them in stopping the other team from scoring points because their pass defense is just ass. That maybe you look at a situation where, like, let's say David Johnson is healthy, Sal. How much do you think Chase Edmonds is actually playing? Yeah, if David Johnson's healthy back to his normal role, you're probably going to see like in the good weeks, 30% of the snaps for Edmonds. Maybe he lines up on the same time as the field with Johnson. You get him to 35%, but it's probably going to be closer to like a 75-25, 70-30 split for Edmonds. And yeah, the the main reason you hold on to him is Johnson's been battling injuries all year long, and there could be something that just pops up out of nowhere that he's going to miss two weeks or even battling injuries misses even longer time. And we know what to expect from him. Um, based on what he's done, just filling in for Johnson, especially this past week. So there's upside clearly there, but in weeks where Johnson's going to play, it's probably capped around like 30%. Even though he, he goes out and plays well, I don't think it's going to boost that snap count up all that much. Unfortunately, let's say the reason I like Murray more than I like Edmonds as a pickup right now is because we know Kamara is going to miss time. We don't know about David Johnson. We're a bit in the dark about that. Maybe he too has a high ankle sprain and he's going to miss four to six weeks, whatever it might be. If that was the case, I just talked about Murray's schedule, the Cardinals schedule against the run worse than the Saints. It's the Saints, the 49ers, the Buccaneers, the 49ers. That's not good. That, that, might, that might be the worst four game stretch you could possibly get. Wow, yeah. that's terrible. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's uh, that's not great. So ho- hopefully you listen to the show the last two weeks and just have Chase Edmonds on your team anyway. But if it comes down to it and I was stuck, it would be Latavius Murray for me. What did you make of all this David Johnson nonsense? He played the one snap. He came out of the game, sat on the sidelines, and that was it for him. He briefly looked like he was about to jog onto the field once and after Edmonds briefly got taken out. Then he just immediately came back on. So uh, I think Edmonds is going to be a workhorse, like a 75% plus guy if David Johnson is out. But this is David Johnson's job. He might be in more of a split, maybe a 60-40 split, 70-30 split, like you had mentioned. But this is still his job when he is healthy. Yeah, I completely agree. And really what I made of it was I'm kind of curious to see what happens if the first couple of Edmonds runs, he just gets completely bottled up, gets like a one or two yard carry because he was just gashing it. And right away he had his two first touchdowns in the first quarter. So if Johnson was battling something, it's pretty easy if you're uh, Kingsbury to just say, all right, let's see what this kid can keep doing out there. We seem fine. So it seems like they didn't really have any intentions of playing David Johnson. I guess we'll never know if Edmonds was performing poorly. Um, But yeah, I I didn't really know what to make of it. I didn't have too much David Johnson in in DFS. And for the most part, uh, like I'm kind of on your side of it that I don't really care too much at the end of the day. I guess why people probably were the most annoyed was Kingsbury's like actual comments on it didn't actually add up to what happened. He said he was an emergency running back only in the game, which he never disclosed, which I agree you probably shouldn't if you want to have some sort of deception against the Giants in that game. But then David Johnson starts the game and he comes right back out when Edmonds comes off, I think Edmonds, they said was like throwing up. So I don't know really where to stand it overall. I guess at the end of the day, I don't care too much. I guess the comments were just a little bit weird, but the reporter probably um, maybe caught him off guard. I mean, imagine you have to know that question's coming. So the answer was a little bit weird, I think. Yeah. Maybe he's just playing mind games with everyone or love games like old Greg, but that's just where we are right now. Uh, let's actually dig into the running back at the waiver wire. If you want to check out all the different stuff that Sal and I talk about today, just hit the time codes for the video after the live, obviously, because uh, then we'll actually know when we talk about them. Uh, but here are the injuries from running back uh, that we ended up with from Sunday. on Johnson exited the game with a knee injury. Ito Smith ahead and back. He's questionable for week eight, probably not going to play. David Johnson, back, ankle, whatever it is. He saw the one carry. He's to the sidelines. Kamara missed week seven. He's probably not going to play in week eight. Malcolm Brown sat in week seven. Daryl Henderson got some uh, substantial run in this game. Uh, Even John Kelly saw, maybe it was a blowout, so you're going to get that anyway. But where are we at here with them? Atlanta, Gurley, 61% of the snaps. Henderson, 34% of the snaps. John Kelly, 5% of the snaps. And then we have other ones. Chris Thompson missed the week with turf toe. He's likely not going to be back for a while James Conner got hurt with a quad injury before the bye week he should be okay for next Monday night against Miami in a terrific situation Jalen Samuels still expected to be out Darren Sproles missed the week Justin Jackson missed the week and Rex Burkhead is going to be inactive for Monday night football against the Jets so like I mentioned before I have Latavius Murray at number one as a pickup Chase Edmonds at number two now chances are these guys are owned in your league anyway it depends on the size of it but hey under 60% ownership that's what we're going with here after that I have Ty Johnson, Adrian Peterson, Mark Waltman, Jamal Williams, Ronald Jones, Gus Bus, Daryl Henderson, and Benny Schnell at number 10 against Miami. And the off chance that both Samuels and James Conner end up sitting in this game, you're probably going to want to play Benny Snell. And the problem will be is that we weren't gonna, we're probably not going to know about Conner until either Saturday because they play on Monday night, or we're just going to find out right away it's not going to make a difference, and then I'll drop him down. But Ty Johnson is an interesting situation to me. They have Trey Carson on the squad. They have DJ McKissick, who's going to work out of the passing game mainly for Detroit, but this all depends on whether on Johnson ends up missing any time, but we're probably not going to know that by the time waivers pass. So for me, Sal, Ty Johnson would be number three if you need a plug-and-play start this week after those two guys. 
But unless the injury is super severe, I don't know if I would like try to break the bank on it or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Those main two guys, like we talked out, uh, about at the top uh, for a reason. They're like the decision this week. Ty Johnson, 64% of the snaps after carry on went down, only plays 14%. Yeah, like you said, we don't have any news right now. I think that's where I would land as well. I, I doubt you have a Devin Singletary on most people's waiver wires. He would be somebody I would want above Ty Johnson. But other than that, yeah, it's a bunch of middling backs that are either handcuffs. Um, you touched on Mark Walton. He actually led the Dolphins in snaps this week. But Again, it's the Dolphins. There's not going to be much positive game script there. So, yeah, Ty Johnson, not really a priority for me. If you're later in the week and the waivers pass and he's just still there and you need a guy to fill in and you know more about the injury status, yeah, go ahead and grab him. He, he seemed to be the guy that they went to the most. McKissick was there a little bit. McKissick looked pretty good in limited touches, but you're probably not getting much upside there over Ty Johnson. No, well, the whole thing will be, and maybe they'll bring in someone if carry on misses time, or maybe carry on won't even miss time. That's why I say that the waiver wire is a living document that if all of a sudden, hey, carry on's cleared, he's going to be good to go. Well, Ty Johnson's not going to be number three on this list anymore. He might not even be on the list. He'll be like a handcuffed, maybe, territory uh, down with like Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson, that type of thing. Uh, the Redskins have the Vikings, the Bills, the Jets, and the Lions in the upcoming four games. So Adrian Peterson's going to get run in these games. He's probably not going to do much. So Mer maybe Mark Walton, at least in the short term. To me, he kind of projects like a Chris Thompson type, that if you play in a deeper PPR league, or even like a 12-team PPR league, if you have bye weeks coming up, you're suffering through injuries, he's probably going to get you like three, four, five catches a week because Miami's always going to be losing that. He's a very low upside, but like decent floor type player. If you're just between that and random dude off the waiver wire. Yeah, I completely agree. I, literally last week, I picked up Mark Walton and dropped Daryl Henderson Jr. And there was reports week two about Kenyon Drake potentially being traded. And they resurfaced last week, nothing in terms of a team, but he's just on the trading block. Miami is restating. Nobody's nobody's sending offers as of right now. We don't hear. Um, but yeah, if Kenyon Drake was completely gone, all you have is Kalen Balage in that backfield with Walton. And right now, Balaj is only seeing goal line carries the last two weeks. So yeah, 52% of the snaps for Walton, a PPR back, like you said, with some upside because they're trying to actively shop the guy that's taking the majority of the work next to him in some weeks more than it. Uh, other running back stuff, Kareem Hunt can come back after week 10. There's already you know, people speculating, oh, he's so much better than Nick Chubb. Like, I, do you think Kareem Hunt does anything this year? No, I mean, I think he's going to impact a little bit in terms of right now you have like maybe a 15, 20% touch week for Dontrell Hilliard behind Nick Chubb. You might have weeks where if Kareem's being uh, effective, he sees a 30, 35% touch rate, but that's like a cap on it. I think Nick Chubb for like season long purposes, um, people were a little bit worried come to playoffs because of uh, Kareem Hunt, but Chubb's done well. I think he's performed well in all the matchups that he's had, even in games where it's negative game script. So yeah, right now I can't foresee a 50-50 split. I'd be shocked if it goes below 70 to 65% at the very least, unless Chubb gets injured or starts performing pretty poorly over the next couple of weeks. Uh, with Patrick Mahomes going to miss at least three weeks, potentially even more with this like dislocated kneecap, what do you do with the Chiefs' backfield? Like You probably you mentioned you cut Daryl Williams already, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You probably don't need to hold him anymore. But then you have McCoy and you have Damian Williams in this game, and right now it does appear like they're going to continue to start Matt Moore. Chad Henney can come off injured reserve after next week, but Matt Moore, for the moment, is going to end up being the starter for Kansas City. McCoy played 41% of the snaps. Damian Williams played 28% of the snaps, and Daryl Williams actually played 30% of the snaps. Like, do you drop Damian Williams, or do you just hope that things get better when Patrick Mahomes ends up returning? 
Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting spot. Like this backfield, every single week is just all a mess. We've had now like two weeks in a row where it's kind of stayed stable with McCoy seeing majority of the work and Daryl Williams kind of vulturing in as the second back. Um, I'm just, I haven't been attracted to it in DFS or season long all year. If there's anything better on your waivers, maybe Latavius Murray, I would drop Damian Williams for. Um, but yeah, you mentioned they might go more run heavy over the next few weeks. They get a matchup with the Packers next week, which has been attractive for running backs. We saw Josh Jacobs, even in a game where his team's getting blown out, goes for over 20 carries and over 120 yards. But then after that, they get the Minnesota Vikings front. They get a Tennessee Titans team on the road. If those are the weeks that you're not going to have Patrick Mahomes. So it's not a spot where I'm really dying to get to these running backs in either DFS or season long. But in terms of dropping Damian Williams, yeah, not that many great matchups. And when you're, you're fighting to try and see, uh, 30 to 40% of the snaps with a guy named Daryl Williams. It's pretty tough. So yeah, if there's anything viable out there, I'm completely fine just cutting ties with Damian Williams. So what was your biggest impact from week seven? What are the things that you noticed the most? Uh, I think the most glaring thing to me was Bill O'Brien conceding that safety uh, in the Colts game to make them down seven instead of five. And the Colts basically just got the ball to where they would have punted to anyway. It was really bizarre. Yeah, there was a, that, that stood out to me. There was like a third and 18 run for the Giants when they were trying to come back and they ran a draw play for like four yards to Saquon. I, and then they ran like a fourth and 14 and he ends up getting sacked, Daniel Jones. I, was, I, I, I like watched it, um, on a, so not live, but I was on like a, some sort of stream and it's a third and 18 draw play and that kind of baffled me, st- stuck with me a little bit. Um, there was a touchdown pass for Hopkins. His first touchdown pass was called back because they called that um, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson was ruled down, even though he was never ruled down just because he was in the grasp of the defender, but he was still throwing the ball. So it was very odd that he took a touchdown off the board. They would have to review it anyways, they said, but they never actually went in and reviewed it. So those are two like weird plays that stood out to me at, at like a high level on a per play basis. One of the biggest things too, uh, if you didn't play Chase Edmonds and Marvin Jones in your DraftKings lineups, you probably did not uh, win a lot of money this week. I mean, all the monies you probably didn't end up winning. So Marvin Jones has this gigantic game. Uh, the Lions offense is just incredibly difficult to predict because coming into the game, it was a lot of TJ Hawkinson in the red zone uh, or Kenny Galladay. And it just was like, oh, Minnesota knows that. So we're just going to throw to Marvin Jones. But towards the end of the first half, we got into a situation where There was just time running out. Detroit couldn't stop the clock, and they were down below 10 seconds. If you're in this situation, and the worst thing that can happen in pass interference is that the ball stays basically on the one-yard line or the half-inch line, wherever it is, but you're below 10 seconds, wouldn't the move, if you know that the team is passing, you see them drop back just to tackle all the receivers? Because what's the worst that can happen? All that happens is that time starts running off the clock, and then they have to kick a field goal. Yeah, so that's, I, I guess, then the assumption there is that, um, so you're saying it's, like, not down the field. They wouldn't put it on, like, the, the one-yard line if the ball's thrown that way. Yeah, I think that's that's the move that you probably go to, and the one that makes, like, the most logistic sense. It's just probably something that none of those coaches think about in the moment. And, yeah, but honestly, I probably wouldn't even think of that. But, yeah, that's the exact move is just stop the play completely dead and run the clock off because they don't put the time back on the clock. Yeah, just, just give them zero opportunity to complete this pass. There's no harm with it because they're on the two-yard line anyway. And you set yourself up at risk of a sneak, which, you know, if they want to take the sneak and not kick the kick the three, then yeah, I guess that's one thing. Uh, maybe you can stop that. But you force them basically into deferring four points to you, uh, and there's no real cost of it. Like, it, it's just a really strange situation. Maybe I'm way off base on this. Maybe you're like, that's really stupid. But I think that's a somewhat of a savvy move once you get, if you understand the clock. Like, there was that other situation in the Saints game when they recovered, well, they recovered one onside kick the, the first of the year, and then they end up recovering uh, the second one, and then they ended up getting the ball back to the Saints because the guy stepped out of bounds 
bounds and touched it again. But if you're the Saints in this situation, how is Sean Payton being like, if this ball doesn't roll 10 yards, don't fucking touch it. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, the one, yeah, where Michael Thomas just dives forward to try and recover it, and it's, like, clearly not going to make it, maybe even go out of bounds. But but then, yeah. but then they did it again on the next yeah, onside yeah. kick. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's completely mind-boggling there. And, yeah, I, I think that, like, things like that is, and the one that you were talking about right before is, like, it, it seems to me similar to just, like, sitting down a little bit and, and whether you're faking an injury or just being on the ground and running the clock a little bit more. It's just things that, yeah, honestly, I wouldn't consider it anything malicious. I would consider it just smart gameplay and smart coaching there and being more strategic. Yeah, it's the same thing with Cliff Kingsbury not telling the the media or his opponent what he's actually going to do. Like, we didn't know Trubisky was starting until Sunday morning, and nothing made me feel more confident in my Saints plus four than Trubisky under center. They were bad, man. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. I, I, I think that was the most overthrows of the weekend, for sure, was Mitch Trubisky, and, like, a couple that would have been big plays if not one touchdown. Yeah, uh, what are some of the other notes that I have here from the games? Bill O'Brien, oh, Mark Andrews. Listen, pal, I think you need to uh, talk to Hot Hands from Little Giants, see where some of that stickum is. I had a bet over four and a half receptions for Mark Andrews. He probably should have had like seven in this game and ended up dropping four of them. What What was like, did he, I, I know that like weed is legal in Washington State. Did he go get like high as fuck before the game and like couldn't concentrate? Because he's the only one who couldn't catch during the game. Yeah, I think that I think that theory makes sense. I think that that might have been a little bit of a concoction going on. He's been dealing with many of injuries, so uh, maybe just a little bit of uh, medicinal there for him. But no, like, yeah, he couldn't catch. And he's a guy that in DFS this weekend, I had a good amount of Josh Jacobs, and I didn't want to get to Jacobs in Darren Waller lineups just for some correlation reasons. And right there in the price range that I can afford was Mark Andrews. And watching him drop live two passes, one being a touchdown that was somewhat broken up but should have been secured, yeah, real tough. And I can imagine we were on seems like the same edge of that with Mark Andrews just uh, costing money this weekend. Yeah, it was a odd situation, really, because I actually had a Jacobs Waller lineup. I was like, these are the only two guys on the Raiders that are going to do anything. I don't really care about the correlation with this one. I think independently they can both be good. And I guess the move was just to play Waller, not Jacobs. Jacobs had a fine game, but there was other places that you could have went with better correlation if I was a bit more sensible. But I had one really good lineup going on, and it came down to I had Lamar and Andrews and DK Metcalf and Saints D left in it. And I was already in the money. I was like, all right. All I need here are a few Mark Andrews, like eight Mark Andrews catches, maybe a touchdown, Lamar to have a good game, DK to bring it back, and the Saints D to perform. It ended up cashing, but not by much, man. It was not good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I saw that DK had a ton of targets and just didn't bring them in as much. But yeah, the, the Andrews thing is a thing that absolutely kills you. I'm just trying to find it. I, uh, I tweeted it out last night. The winner of the Pat Mayo Experience Open. Uh, in the listeners league and you can always play in that i'll have the link to the pat mayo experience listeners league in the description of this video and podcast as soon as i get it probably won't be until late monday night or tuesday morning enter it right away that's how we end up making it bigger but eh, that's just for the time here we go here's the lineup right here so shout out to brian ehu he did these, well, I mean, the correlation didn't completely work out for him, but he ended up on the right guy, so that worked really well. No Chase Edmonds, because not a ton of people play Chase Edmonds, to be perfectly honest, but he did the game stack of, do you know who? Um, was it an Aaron Rodgers and Packers game stack? It was not. It was a Detroit Lions-Lions-Viking stack. Yeah, that, that was actually a, a, like very under the radar for two teams that there was a good chance that that game does exactly, I mean, we know that Stafford and the Lions... Um, they'll get into shootouts, and we've seen literally the week before Kirk Cousins be able to throw the ball, and in the past years, outside of the first three weeks of this past year, be just all in shootouts. So 
Um, that was a very sneaky spot. I thought all week, I just thought it would be a guy like Galladay and not Jones. So yeah, props to that guy. Yeah. So Matthew Stafford at a clean 1% in the Pat Mayo experience listeners league, uh, 32 and a half points. Delvin Cook as a part of that stack. Kenny Galladay, who only scored him 3.1 points and Marvin Jones, who scored him 43.3 points. That was the mini stack of that game and the rest of it. I mean, Michael Thomas came in at 2%. That was a really good play, but the rest is pretty chalky. Fournette and Dalvin Cook at running back. Those were the two highest-owned running backs of the week. Both performed incredibly well. I mean, Cook with the 31 points. Fournette only with 19.5. That's definitely not killing you. That's a good outcome. Uh, Latavius Murray at like 10%, 35 points. Hunter Henry at 21%, 16 points. Like It's a really good lineup, along with Colts D, who... That allowed you so much flexibility at $2,000. They only scored nine points. They didn't break the slate, but no defense really broke the slate on Sunday. So nine points isn't going to kill you by any means. So it's a really good lineup. Shout out to him. Quick $5,000 win. A lot of big winners this week. We had a viewer come in fifth place in the $9 slant. That was good for 2 k It's funny. The $9 slant, you come in fifth place, you get you get 2000 bucks. You win the Pat Mayo experience with only 3,000 people, you get five k. I mean, that's why you got to be playing in the best tournament on DraftKings, the no rake. Uh, the other two notes that I had, at least the other one note that I had, Melvin Gordon. Would the Chargers have won yesterday if he just didn't exist? Yeah, I, I think if you have like probably 95% of the other backs in the league, they get in on one of those carries maybe, right? I, I mean, he was taking up space out there. He catches like a one-yard touchdown pass that I think um, really anybody can catch that's uh, really in this in the entire league on, on that. And then, yeah, he, he fumbles away the win and he can't get in on two carries. So I, I don't know. He I don't know what they're doing there. Obviously, there's some sort of um, the contract's an issue and it just seems like a time where Eckler, everybody knows it, even the coaching staff, that he's the more productive back and they finally used him more as a receiver. But man, Melvin Gordon, th- does he stink? Does he just stink? Yeah, it, it seems like he stinks. Like it's not good. It's not necessarily that he stinks. It's that this offensive line is so banged up. Uh, Okun didn't come back. They're down pouncing. They lost Forrest Lamp. It's just that Eckler is so much better for when they're like when their offense is rolling well. Like we saw it when they actually had to come back against the Titans yesterday. Yes, it was a bit more of a lackluster defense, but Eckler played almost all of those snaps, and it looked like the offense that they ran the first two weeks of the season when they were just posting points one after another after another. He just gives you such a better dimension out of the backfield. And Gordon is basically two yards and a cloud of dust up the middle, and he might fumble. He dropped the ball earlier in the game on a rush. Like no one hit it. He just dropped it trying to switch arms. Fortunately, it bounced right back to him. But like there's something like him having this holdout. Clearly he's rusty. And I don't know if his skills have deteriorated or the fact that the offensive line was so good last year, it really masked a lot of a lot of his deficiencies. Because as we remember as a rookie, he was garbage. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And yeah, the offensive line's a good point to point out. Okun didn't come back and they lost Pouncey um last week was their first week without him. So yeah, he, he hasn't looked great. He's never been like the most effective back. I mean, even last year on limited touches, Eckler was the guy that people in just fantasy communities were saying needs to see more touches. And it seems like now is like the epitome of that uh, when you fumble away a team victory. And it, it's just, I mean, it's cliche as it gets. You see all over Twitter um, that this is like the only team that this can happen to. But it, it really is just the way that these games end. It's crazy and mind boggling um, to be a fan of the Chargers. Were you encouraged by Saquon Barkley yesterday? Because I thought at one point he had re-rolled his ankle, but he ended up coming back on the next play. If you spent all that fab money on Wayne Gallman, you may want to hold on to him, is what I'm saying right here. And to your point about running that draw on third down and then going for it on like fourth and 14, I don't like the call of the draw play. It's really stupid. But the one thing that I, I get the mindset behind it, 
only because they're like, we're in four down territory, so we don't need to run a play for a first down here. Maybe we can catch Arizona off guard thinking that we're going to throw it to the chains or beyond the chains, that something should open up underneath. What they really should have done is just something like over the middle to Golden Tate or a screen pass out of the backfield to Berkeley, who had a horrendous drop in this game as well. Fortunately, he ended up scoring that touchdown. But I think that's what ended up happening. It was just a terrible play call. Yeah, exactly. And I agree with you. Like you see more times, maybe, maybe more times than not a good amount of the time, uh, like you'll get a 10 yard chunk play there just because there's nobody in the middle. And that's probably what they saw. But I agree. Just have them come out of the backfield um, and get more into space and actually have a head of steam going into it or just go over to Golden Tate, who was getting open in the middle of the field for the, the most part of that game when he didn't have Peterson on him on the outside. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. And yeah, Saquon, the takeaway was I saw that he also seemed to have tweaked his ankle. He looked very frustrated. He ended up playing through it, ended up playing. Uh, over 80% of the snaps, but that's just a situation where you see if that injury flares up throughout the week because players will come back, whether it's adrenaline or they just um, are really just adrenaline playing through it. Uh, They'll come back and they'll finish out a game, but I mean, we even saw it with Packers MVS this past week. Uh, He ends up playing this past week and he finished the last game, but he only played like 30% of the snaps, very limited. So keep an eye on Saquon. Yeah, I agree. You probably want to hang on to Wayne Gallman just through the next week or so uh, and see what this ankle is because I believe it was the same ankle. Yeah, it was, but I'm just saying, just hold, like hold on to Wayne Gallman regardless. Like if Saquon gets hurt, he's going to be like a top 15 option. Yeah, I, I agree, especially the way that they use running backs in that offense. They actually know, maybe it's because of Saquon, but they actually know to throw the ball to them. Yeah, you end up throwing the ball to them, but it's just the snap percentage that you're going to see. Like even just looking at the snap percentages from running backs this week, like guys that played over 75% of the snaps, Barkley, 86, Edmonds, 94, Fournette 90 Carson 89 Zeke 79 Latavius Murray 83 that's it in all of football uh, Delvin Cook was at 70%. So you're looking at your just the guys who back up those guys are probably rosterable at this point over the like if you need to play Mark Walton for example then yeah pick up Mark Walton then you have to play him. But if you're just like have like starting running backs on your team and you have Mark Walton, that spot is better used for Gallman, for Alexander Madison, for Raquel Armstead, for Latavius, I mean, Latavius Murray, obviously, but he was probably owned in that sort of league anyway. But anyone who can just walk into a role and immediately become the guy, there are so few of those instances where teams have the guy and they lean on them for all of these touches. Like I just mentioned, there's like five teams in football. Just have those backups on your bench, whether you have the starter or not, because they could just open up the door to have a a low-end running back one or a startable running back every week when it matters the most. Yeah, exactly. That's the most valuable way probably at this point in the season to be managing like the bottom tier of your benches is just have those guys on there. Like you said, we saw it with Chase Edmonds and Latavius Murray, their main guy goes down and there's just nobody else behind them. So completely agree with you on that. Um, Wayne Gallman should be held on to, especially when you consider just what Saquon's been dealing with with these injuries. Uh, other quick tip. I know it works on Yahoo. Uh, I don't know if it works on CBS or ESPN. I'm not sure, but if you play in a Yahoo league, uh, you can do the move where you pick up either a running back or wide receiver before the, of the teams that haven't played. So New England and the Jets haven't played yet. I did notice that Pittsburgh's defense is available in like 70% of leagues right now. Uh, And they have not played yet because, of course, they're on bye week. If someone hasn't quite noticed that yet, uh, go to your waiver wire. Just drop whoever your worst player is for for Pittsburgh's defense as they host Miami next Monday night. Probably a situation where you want to play the Pittsburgh defense, right? Yeah, yeah. Get ahead of the ball there and don't waste the waiver on it next week. Exactly. If you're in a league like Yahoo or just one where you don't have to 
uh, go out and wait for when the when the players lock. You don't have to wait for waivers after that. Yeah, that's actually very sharp, and I'm sure we'll get into the defense waivers. That's probably um, up there, if not the number one, number two for next week, just streaming. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, again, that's, everything's available in my column up on DKPlaybook.com and in the description of this video and podcast let's talk about mvp watch because this is something i want to start doing who do you think that vegas has as the top five mvp candidates after week seven uh that's good uh i'm gonna say uh, in no order but i'll say it in this order uh aaron Rodgers, number two russell, russell number, wilson number one um deshaun watson number three christian mccaffrey number six now oh he fell back okay um, Patrick Mahomes, I would say, but I'm assuming they're going to take into account the injury there. No, um, he, he remains number four. Okay. Is Tom Brady name value enough? He is not. He's number seven. Lamar Jackson is number six, oh, there we go. six to one to win the MVP. What do you make of Baltimore? I, I still can't figure them out. Yeah. I mean, I was doing for this show and just in general, like sort of a, a quick team rankings and power rankings. And it, it's like a weird mix of teams where there's kind of a top tier of three or four teams, but Baltimore is a team that I don't, I don't think I buy into, but I want to see what this secondary looks like because I think that might swing it. So obviously they're, they're getting wins and it's, it's all like that game was all Lamar Jackson just on his back. I mean, even to close the game out instead of just using Mark Ingram, Lamar was like, I'm just going to call my own number here and improv behind the line of scrimmage. So it seems like they're just relying all on Lamar. They've had injuries to their main receiver, Hollywood Brown, and now they've kind of revamped this secondary. So I don't think I believe in them as much as probably – Definitely not a Kansas City, especially with Mahomes due back. Um, probably not. I think I have Seattle slightly over them. And then they're right there in like the the Vikings range of teams that I'm not totally sure on what to believe in them. But I think their thing is going to be Marcus Peters. You see him jump around, get a pick six, exactly what he does. He gambles a little bit. How is he going to perform? And then can they get Jimmy Smith back? He started practicing last week. Because if that's the case, this secondary goes from being just Swiss cheese the first five weeks to now you have a pretty – um, not elite, but Marlon Humphreys, Marcus Peters, and Jimmy Smith in your secondary is surely going to improve a lot of things. So I think that's a big piece with them moving forward and then just getting Hollywood Brown back. I'm very iffy on them right now. I don't think they're, I think they're right outside the top five, probably like a top seven, eight team. Yeah, especially when you consider you can throw Earl Thomas into that mix too. That secondary could become very good. I'm not a huge Marcus Peters fan, but we saw we saw the upside of Marcus Peters yesterday. Baltimore fans are like all fired up. We had we we got Marcus Peters. He's a shutdown corner. He is not a shutdown corner. You mentioned it. He is going to gamble on a lot. Now, sometimes when you gamble, you you lose everything. You don't get the pick six. Now, I appreciate that a part of this defense where you have so many other good corners and even safeties that you can have that outlier that does take a lot of chances and maybe the safety help over the top or maybe even scheming can help cover up some deficiencies. But when you have a guy who's constantly trying to ball hop like that and jump routes, you know what that leads to, Sal? That leads to long touchdowns the other way too. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I completely agree. He's not a shutdown cornerback. I mean, his his first season in Kansas City where he had somebody's opening it up out there. Oh my God. Um, are you on like, are are you on tornado watch? No, I, I've, I've never heard in my house something that loud, but that was <laughs> some sort of car or vehicle coming by. I don't know what, but yeah, Marcus Peters, I, I don't think that he's a shutdown. I completely agree. He's a guy that he'll benefit like he did his first season with Kansas city with a strong secondary behind him, which is now why I thought this was a very good, um, pickup for them because you do have Earl Thomas in that secondary Marlon Humphreys is sort of a, a secondary unit or, or supporting cast around him. So yeah, I think it's a good pickup for them. But yeah, Peters is a guy who, for what they had, is a big upgrade. But in the context of the league, he's not a, a shutdown top 10 cornerback. 
Yeah, it, it actually does work out a little bit better for what they have. It was the right team to end up going to. Maybe the Rams were actually the wrong team because they needed a shutdown corner. Uh, there wasn't really much to do against Atlanta, especially. We'll get into Matt Ryan here in a second. But uh, Rookie of the year. Who do you think is up right now for rookie of the year? Top five in rookie of the year odds. Um, offensive or just overall? Uh, offensive, sorry. Yeah, uh, Kyler Murray. Yes, that's even money to bet Kyler Jones. Murray. Yeah, uh, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is fourth at 14 to one now. Now, there was, after the Daniel Jones first game, I got to give credit to Garion because I give him so much shit about being wrong all the time. He sat across the table from me after the Daniel Jones first week and be like, look, Daniel Jones is now the favorite to win rookie of the year. Kyler Murray has dropped to plus 350. Bet. Kyler Murray, plus 350. That's going to be the move. Uh, and he may have been right here. But Daniel Jones is number four right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. They had a really tough schedule to open. Josh Jacobs? Number two, he's two to one. Um, what about, what about uh, Gardner Minshew? That's Gard- a- Gardner Minshew is number three on this list. He is 10 to one. Do you know who is pretty sneaky at number five, at 25 to one? Uh, I'm like... I'm trying to think of other positions. I know David Montgomery's nowhere near up there. No. I'm, I'm trying to think of just there's no tight ends. Waller's not a rookie. Um, no fonts terrible. TJ Hawkinson, no. Um, what about Scary Terry? Terry that, McLaurin. You, you, Is that the name we're sticking with here? No, we're, we're, we're going to go with Scoring McLaurin. That's the one that I enjoy more. Anyone who calls him F1 like just needs to be buried alive. Like, that is just horrendous. That is a bad nickname. A very bad nickname. And anyone who uses it should be ashamed of themselves. Scoring McLaurin. A lot better. 20 to 1, though, or 25 or 16 to 1, sorry, for him, and 20 to 1 for Hollywood Brown. Like, McLaurin has so many touchdowns that Kyler is going to win as long as he continues the pace that he's on because Josh Jacobs just isn't getting the touchdowns to go along with it. But McLaurin, it's a nice buy low time on him because he just had the worst matchup that he's going to have all season long. Uh, so he's going to rebound in a big way. He's already played the Patriots. He's already played the Niners. Boom. You have your two, the two worst possible matchups that you can have this season. Every other game, he's been amazing. Like, he could end up with double-digit touchdowns here. And if you have a receiver who goes for, like, I don't know, 71, 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns, something like that, he could win rookie of the year. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that, especially at those odds, that it's it's a pretty good bet if, if you're somebody who believes in it. It's just so tough because of just similar with MVP. Like, if you're a quarterback – just the opportunity and the reason of how much if you win games at all, it's going to mean it'll be it'll be more meaningful for them. But that being said, these two quarterbacks and I guess three with Minshew, but we'll see Nick Foles now healthy if he'll still be starting. Uh, but the other two in Murray and Jones, they're not winning games. So this is as good of a time as any for a guy like Jacobs or McLaurin to kind of take over. And yeah, the big thing with McLaurin is yeah, a lot of it's going to be propped up by touchdowns and most of his touchdowns will be long touchdowns, which again, prop up his receiving yards. So it's pretty good there. So yeah, I kind of like that call if it is, would you say it was 25 to one? Yeah, it's 16 to one. I was looking at DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf is 25 to one. Quick tip, DK Metcalf, not going to win offensive rookie of the year. There you go. Yeah, that's that's the take from the show right there. Professional advice. No DK. Yeah. I like hey, it. That's, that's why people come to the show. What, Pat, what I should do? Don't bet DK Metcalf, offensive rookie of the year. Boom. Good advice from Pat Mayo. You talked yeah, about we, your – oh, go ahead. We, we, need a way, we need a way to, like, figure out, and it's obviously terrible, but uh, to short these – can we short these somehow? Is there a way to do that on these props yet? I guess it depends on if one of these quarterbacks – I mean, it would be huge if, like, McLaurin could actually end up getting into it. But if you dumped a whole bunch, let's say you threw 
and you probably wouldn't hedge your $100 bet on McLaurin at 16 to 1. You probably just let it ride. But if you got into a situation where it got down to the wire, and even if Kyler Murray ended up being, I don't know, plus 150, and McLaurin had made the move up the uh, ranks, you could take like half that money. Uh, and end up like hedging it on to Kyler Murray if you really wanted to, to turn out a small profit. It'd be tough, though. You'd really need McLaurin to be good and get himself into this race. Yeah, that, that's the exact way. I, I agree with that. If you can get those odds a little bit lower on it, and he pushes for it, and then at the end of the day, just flip it. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Yeah, I don't even know if he has a 16-1 to 1 chance to win the rookie of the year, because I do think that Kyler is going to end up doing it unless Jacobs goes nuts with touchdowns. But he's the only other one I can see the path for. Like, it's not going to be Daniel Jones. It's not going to be Gardner Minshew, at least with McLaurin. Like, that stat line that I gave you at the end of the year seems plausible, at least. Yeah, I agree. It seems plausible. I think, yeah, earlier in the season, if you got Murray a little bit higher just because of what he can do with his legs, it, it's looking very good for him. And obviously, the odds are showing that. Hiring the right person takes time, time that you don't often have. But you shouldn't let a time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidates for your business. That's why LinkedIn's the best place to post your jobs. I'm a business owner. When I'm looking to hire someone, I like to use LinkedIn and look at that experience. They don't need 20 years of experience or even five years of experience, but experience in the particular thing that I'm looking for. You'd be shocked how often people don't list the specifics of what they're up to. And when people do, it makes them very hireable. LinkedIn job screens candidates with hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and connects you with candidates who match your business perfectly. That's how LinkedIn can make sure your job post gets in front of the people you want to hire. People with the skills, qualifications, and other insights that help LinkedIn paint a better picture of potential candidates. It's no wonder great candidates are hired every eight seconds on LinkedIn. Find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want, and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash mayo. Again, that's linkedin.com slash mayo to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, Power 5, you were talking about ranking the teams before we came on, so give me your Power 5 after Week 7. Yeah, so we, we got to see what happens for an official week seven tonight with the Patriots, but they're going to stay up top right now for me. Number one is the Patriots. This number two and three spot was actually tough. So I have Patriots one, Saints two, Packers three. I have the 49ers holding on at four. And then I actually put the Vikings above Kansas City. I put the Vikings at five. Um, and then, yeah, that's just the top five. So I have New England, San Francisco, New Orleans, Green Bay, Minnesota. Um are we believing too much in Minnesota? Like Kirk Cousins has been amazing the past three weeks after getting absolutely shit on <laughs> earlier in the season. Uh, and it's not even like Detroit's a tough matchup and he exposed them even without Alan Thielen or Alan Thielen, Adam Thielen, uh, who left with the hamstring injury. We'll get to wide receiver pickups here in a second, but oh, it's just, it's very interesting to me that they've, pulled their way back in it it seems like they've opened up the offense a little bit more and like Dallas is just so frustrating I bet on Dallas against the Jets the Jets win outright and Dallas looks lost on offense running like this milk toast offense of run it up the gut run it up the gut all of a sudden they come out of the gate running play action again throwing downfield getting Dak on the move where the fuck was this when I had money on them (laughs) they knew they knew yeah I I completely agree it seemed like 
Uh, Dallas got back to their ways. Maybe it's just having all their offensive linemen healthy. I'm not sure. Or just reevaluating what they were doing good in the first three weeks. And top of the list was probably play action there. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with that. And I think Minnesota is a spot where it's it's hard to really judge it. Like, yeah, Kirk has been good the last couple of weeks. It's crazy how quick these narratives flip because he's leading like all quarterbacks in yards per attempt. Now that's a little bit skewed. He has like the, the least attempts out of all of them. Um, but yeah, he's been very, he's been highly effective. He's not ruining games for them majority of the time. And they have Dalvin Cook back there continuing to do his thing. So just the, the passing game being propped up. They're on a short week now. They might not have feeling. But yeah, this team, I mean, it looks good. And, the, and their losses have not been, I mean, to Green Bay, one of them have not been terrible losses. So it's just, it seems like there's a gap between those top four teams right now. I mean, if you consider Mahomes is going to be back, maybe you put Kansas City as, as that fifth team uh, long term. But there's just a gap to where the Vikings are just, meh, that team that you kind of throw there at five. Um, and I think the defense has been improving, especially against the run. I forget who pointed it out on Twitter, but I thought it was a very astute point that Kirk Cousins is going to ride the narrative bandwagon here through the first course of the season that you know, he was all right. And then he was like the worst quarterback in football. Now he's great again because he throws for three touchdowns a game. And then they get the Redskins on the short week. They should win. Then they're at the Chiefs without Mahomes. That's not a guaranteed win. They should be favored in that game, if nothing else, by a few points. And then they play the Cowboys on Sunday night the week after. And if they lose that game, it's going to be like, well, Kirk Cousins can't win a big game. <laughs> yeah, he can't, he can't win a big game. They'll be, they'll be like six, seven and two at that point. Um, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, whoever, whoever pointed that out, that's a good point. I do think, though, that um, if the Cowboys, if they're going to stay healthy and keep doing what they're doing, like you probably have to rank them right around 10 or, or, or right outside the top 10 for a power rankings if you're just going to go heavily based on record. But that's a team right now that, yeah, I think they can just start ripping off wins. Well, it's now that they have both Smith and Collins back, like maybe that's, I mean, I know they were important pieces, but I didn't realize how important maybe they were. Like, you know how important your two best offensive linemen are, one who potentially the best offensive lineman in the league, Tyron Smith. But I just, I didn't think it would make that so much of an impact that you go from being unable to score points against the Jets to posting like a 40 burger. Like that's, that's nuts. Yeah, I think it was a combination of both. And like in that game against the Jets, I mean, Dak was just, he had no time. Like he was running left and right. And that's a game where the Jets had two of their front seven guys out, like two of their top five guys who would actually rush the passer, CJ Mosley, Henry Anderson, a guy more so for the run stop, but up front, they didn't have them. And, and they're still having people get through nonstop, nonstop. So yeah, it was probably the combination of both of them. Definitely Tyron Smith being the bigger piece for pass protection over Collins. But yeah, I mean, they're two of the best in the league. So if they stay healthy, and they keep incorporating play action because, I mean, you have Zeke in the backfield. He is actually going to create some deception. Uh, yeah, I think they're a team that is probably at the end of the year, if they can continue to play the way that they did that pass game, uh, I continue to be or right around the top 10 team. So New England, San Francisco, New Orleans, Green Bay for me. This fifth spot is up for discussion here. Maybe that's another giveaway. People watch this far into the show. Like the episode, smash that like button. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. Not the live chat, the comment section. Because if you leave it in the live chat, I'll never see it. So you might want to put it in the comments. Not that I'm going to read it. I'll get someone else to do it. But look at the comments, please. Uh, And tell me who you'd have as your number five ranked team. Power ranking for actual NFL so far this season. Like, I think... Minnesota's in that mix. I think the Bills are in the mix. The Ravens, obviously. The Colts and Texans are both firmly in that. I think that Jacksonville and Tennessee are probably on the tier below. The Chiefs, I'm probably not going to give the Eagles the benefit of the doubt on this one. Uh, The Panthers, we could chuck into there. The Seahawks and even the Rams, who beat up on really crappy Atlanta. But, you know, maybe they're better now. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Right after after that top five or so that we were talking about, I, I have it as Chiefs. Uh, Seahawks, Ravens, uh, Bills, and then Colts, Panthers, Cowboys. So that's like 
filling out a top 11 or 12, whatever it comes down to. I think the Bills, yeah, they like we talked about it in previous weeks, not the greatest of schedules, but I mean, they just keep finding ways to win some pretty gross games. I mean, when you're losing at half to the Dolphins and really struggle, although they somehow almost covered the 17 points in that game on two yeah. consecutive plays, they returned an onside kick for a touchdown to get back up by 10. And then Fitzpatrick almost fumbled sixth on the first offensive play after that. I was just like, oh my God. Oh my God, my Dolphins plus 17 or my plus 16 and a half. What is going on here? Uh, fortunately, Fitzpatrick fell on it or someone fell on it at that point. They were just like, yeah, we'll just take a knee and get out of this game. We're going to lose. It's okay. But like the Bills, again, as big favorites, I went through it this week and stay tuned for this week's spread show. It is going to be awesome, especially if, I mean, the best case scenario, I can't figure it out, is if the either the Jets win tonight and Cust is on his high horse, uh, calling this a bye week against the Patriots, or they lose like 45 nothing. I think both are equally as good outcomes. But now that the curse is going to apparently be lifted on the Los Angeles Chargers, like Feinberg is in dire straits right now after what happened at the goal line against Tennessee. But if Tim lifts the curse, it might be time to get back in on the Chargers because the path in the AFC is still there. Like when you look at the standings, like no one's really out of it. Like the Bills are going to likely be the wild card just because they have such an easy schedule and they're already five and one. So you give the division to the Patriots or the Bills, but there's two playoff spots right there. The Ravens in the North. I mean, stuff can always change, but right now they're three games ahead. That's looking pretty good. Uh, Then you have the Colts or Texans. That's one spot or maybe one spot from the South, one spot from the West, probably the Chiefs. Then you have like the Texans, the Jags, the Titans, the Browns and Steelers, the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Raiders, and potentially even the Jets if they win this week to get themselves back into it. Like that's a lot of teams for the last playoff spot. And at full strength, I still think the Chargers are probably the best team of that bunch. Yeah, especially, and that's the big piece of it at the end is just if they're at full strength. Like if you get some of these um, or at least one offensive lineman back and then you continue to get some of the wide receivers back and also pieces on defense. Like we'll see if they activate anybody off of the IR in the coming weeks. Um, but I think those are, I think those are big pieces of it. Ingram battling injury, I believe a hamstring injury at the linebacker. I mean, they're a team that every single year, it's like the Bengals, they're depleted. Um, and yeah, late season run if fully healthy. And if you look at like second half splits between guys like Philip Rivers and, and Keenan Allen, I don't know how much you buy into second half season splits. I'm not sure how much I really do. You getting a little bit more comfortable, but um, yeah, they, they're a big second half team. Yeah, it, it just it's going to depend on how many wins it's actually going to take to get that final AFC playoff spot. Is it going to be nine wins or is it going to be ten wins? Because you only have two right now. But they do have of their one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games left. Eight are entirely winnable, and I'm not including like one is one is a Chiefs game. It's four weeks from now where Mahomes may or may not be playing. So if he's not playing, that's entirely winnable, and that's at home against kansas city and then they play the chiefs again week 17 if the chiefs actually have it wrapped up then they probably also won't be playing patrick mahomes that could be like a free win for the chargers i only say this because i started looking at the odds for like afc and everything this week it's a nice like buy low week maybe a afc championship los angeles chargers 40 to 1 right now to win the afc which i thought was really interesting like the bills are at 16 to 1 but like the bills could go 15 and 1 i still don't think they're winning the afc yeah, once they actually get into a playoffs. Now, I mean, it depends. I think that defense can win them a first round, but win the whole thing, yeah, I can't see that happening at all. Um, I think, yeah, you're looking for those higher odds and the longer odds there. Yeah, the, the, the other paths for other teams in the AFC right now, it's pretty gross. I mean, you have um, just, what, they're two games out of this playoff spot right now, but outside of that, there's no other team besides the Texans and the Bills with more than uh, four wins. They're all sitting around three or two wins, and those teams are some pretty bad teams when you look at the Bengals, 
Uh, the Titans, we'll see what Tannehill can do. The Broncos. So there's a realistic chance that they can make the playoffs. And then, yeah, anything can happen. So I think that like spotting that one as sort of the, the 40 to one long shot makes sense because you're not going to be saying that about guys or teams like the Jets or the Dolphins or, or the Raiders and guys, teams like that that just really don't have any uh, longer term playoff upside, at least in my opinion. Uh, let's talk about the waiver wire pickups at wide receiver this week, starting with the injury report. Adam Thielen injured his hamstring. He exited the game. He's probably not going to play on the short week Thursday. You probably want to get that guy healthy. It's against the Redskins, too. Do you have any interest in what the hell was the guy's name? Who ended up Busy standing? Johnson? Yeah, Izzy Johnson. Busy, yeah, um, Busy Johnson. Yeah, Busy Johnson. He obviously plays his most snaps. Yeah, if, if you're, I wouldn't use a waiver priority on him at all, but. Like if, if you have a need for a wide receiver or any decent flex spot, like he's going to go out to the outside. He's been a slot receiver for them. He played nearly 20 snaps more or 20% of the snaps more than ever this season because of that injury. And yeah, he scored his first career touchdown. He's been pretty good. Like he's beating out um, Chad BB got hurt, but he beat out a couple other receivers to make the team and then actually take on the slot responsibilities pretty swiftly. Uh, so yeah, I would have some interest because he is going to move outside, which there's bigger play upside when you pair that with the slot, but it's not like a go pick him up. It's say the waivers passed. I got other guys on my team like Jerron Brown or something, and this is a really good matchup. Um, so, yeah, I have interest in that sort of sense if you need a spot and fill and you don't have to waste a waiver on it. Jaron Brown had probably the most egregious drop of the season yesterday. It was embarrassing. It was worse than all of Mark Andrews' drops combined. Really? That, that, that had to be very bad. I know I saw, I saw Stefan Diggs' drop uh, that was brutal for a touchdown. I didn't see the Jaron Brown drop. Oh, it was, I think it was in the first quarter, maybe second quarter of the Seahawks-Ravens game. It was for a touchdown, and he was wide open. It was just like, bloop. I, I guess it was so wet in, uh, in, or maybe he went and shared the same weed with Mark Andrews before the game. They just couldn't focus in on really grabbing the ball and coming down with it. But it was bad. They ended up scoring a touchdown on the next play to Tyler Lockett, so it really didn't matter. But it was just kind of funny. Just It was so horrendous. Uh, so we'll put Busy Johnson into the rankings. I'll get you to help me rank him here in a second after we run through the injury report. Will Fuller's going to miss a few weeks with a hamstring. Big shocker, Will, Will Fuller's hurt. Marquise Goodwin exited the game with a concussion. No word on him. Josh Gordon is not going to play on Monday night. Uh, Traquan Smith did not play. Marquise Lee did not play. Nikhil Harry again has resumed practicing, but is not eligible to return until week nine. Still not picking him up. I just don't see where he fits in in this offense unless Josh Gordon is hurt for more than just this week, which I don't expect him to be, uh, at least right now. Sterling Shepard, no timetable for his return with the concussion. Could be next week. Could be next month. We don't know. Hollywood Brown should be back after the week eight bye for the Ravens. Uh, James Washington will get a report on him earlier this week. They don't play till Monday night. They're coming off the bye week. Christian Kirk sat again. Brashad Perriman coming off the bye week. He should return. Tyrell Williams, the gazelle. Bad news for him, man. It could be like plantar fasciitis that we might not see him for a while. Yeah, no, that, that's that's like one of the worst injuries that you can get as a wide receiver in terms of like your long-term career. It's just nonstop troubling. So, yeah, I mean, they're doing everything that they can right now, trading for two receivers so far this year. Um, it, it does not look good for him. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, no idea when he's going to be back. He should have got surgery in week two because he'd be back by now and he still may need surgery with this abdominal problem. So just put him on the eh type of list. Paris Campbell, maybe got his job snaked by fellow Frenchman, Zach Pascal, but... Zach Pascal looked a whole lot better. A.J. Green, still no idea when he's coming back, whether he comes back at all, whether he's back next week. Could be either. Devontae Adams should return in week eight, though, for the Packers, right? I mean, yeah, this is the week if you're going to do it. Like, I, I just need to see the guy step on the football field for a practice. So um, I, with the fact that Mahomes is not in there, it could be viewed as just not as much needed. But 
yeah, when, when you look at it, Alan Lazard led the team in snaps and he did fine on his opportunities. I think he had one drop though, but he did fine um, making some jump ball contested catches. Uh, yeah, it seems like they're surviving without him somehow, this Packers team. These other wide receivers are stepping up, but really they're just scheming to running backs more for the most part, getting some tight ends involved. I, I don't know. I, I, I hope he's back. If Mahomes was going to be playing, I think there's a little bit more pressure to get him back because you know that you're going to need more bigger plays, maybe play from behind. Um, but I don't know. I've yet to see him step on the field. And again, it's like an injury that takes about a month. It's been about a month uh, or a month to six weeks. It's been about that time. So I guess we'll see. Uh, the Wednesday and Thursday practice reports would be very interesting for him. Yeah. If it was you and you had to trade for a wide receiver right now, you wanted to like buy low on someone, would you rather buy Devontae Adams today, not knowing if he's going to be back this week or not, or trade for someone like, I don't know, Mike Evans or Odell? Yeah, definitely Devontae Adams. Cause, and I've been trying to do that. If, if you're an owner of Devontae Adams, um, just his first couple of weeks of the season weren't great to begin with. And now he's just sitting on your bench and the timetable on him. It's not the season. It's like maybe a week or two more from now. And then they get a buy. So definitely before the fantasy playoffs and this guy was getting picked in the first round of drafts. So it would be Devontae Adams. And he's probably a similar, if not lower asking price than a guy like Mike Evans. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I think Devontae, Devontae Adams should be a priority target. If you own Devontae Adams in your league, then you probably don't want to sell him for 80 cents on the dollar unless you absolutely have to because you're out of options. Although he should be a huge boost and probably one of the main reasons that your team hasn't been doing well because he has been hurt and and or not good. Looks like Rodgers got back into the swing of things. So for my wide receiver pickup rankings for week eight, I have Devontae Parker at number one. I don't want to. I don't like Devontae Parker. That's a bad matchup against Pittsburgh, but with Fitzmagic under center, that's who he's looking for. Him and Preston Williams. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have Parker this high, but I just think that long-term, he's been getting the air yards all season. He's been getting the targets all season. He's finally starting to catch touchdowns, which is nice for him. I have Kenny Stills at number two with Will Fuller because it just looks like he's going to assume the Will Fuller role and have more of an impact, especially deep downfield than Kiki. Philip Dorsett, number three. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Auden Tate, Cole Beasley, Deontay Johnson, Kiki Cutie, Preston Williams, Darius Slayton, and Zach Pascal. Would you have... Um, Busy Johnson over any of those guys? Uh, n- no, I wouldn't just because it seems like Busy Johnson, it's not a major injury. It might just be like a one week rental of Busy Johnson. And then he'll just be like a 50% snap slot wide receiver that just kind of gets lost into all of it. So I wouldn't have him over any of those. Um, yeah. Devonte Parker has a lot of upside at the top. I think Devonte Parker, uh, if he's on your waiver wire, is probably worth just a bench ad because of the upside. And he's actually on the field 90 plus percent of the snaps. Um, and similar with his teammate, Preston Williams, uh, so I, I like both of those guys. I think another guy, I don't know what his like the the thumbnail or not the thumbnail, just like the rule of thumb is for um, the ownership. If he's on enough teams, AJ Brown, I'm starting to like a lot more three straight weeks, averaging 60% of the snaps there. The quarterback situation is the obvious concern there, but uh, when he is targeted and it's been just not enough because he's not been on the field until the last two or three weeks, uh, he's been able to just have a ton of air yards and really produce downfield a couple of big plays this year. And, Um, rookie wide receiver that's probably not getting as much talk just because he's not on the field as much so I have AJ Brown next on that list so I want to talk through what happens with these Titans receivers because Ryan Tannehill looked far more capable uh, than Marcus Mariota had at least up until this point of the season but 
the Chargers are easy to pass on if you're not throwing at Casey Hayward. The good thing for Tennessee is when you look at their schedule, uh, they have the Bucks and then the Panthers and then the Chiefs and then the Jags and then the Colts and then the Raiders, Texans, Saints, and Texans. Like They have a pretty good fantasy wide receiver schedule as the season goes along. I think a lot of people are going to go towards Corey Davis, but I'm with you. I think that A.J. Brown is the superior receiver. I just like what he can do after the catch better anyway. Like For a PPR floor, yeah, maybe Corey Davis is the guy but he just he's such a letdown he's not going to capitalize on the upside that we all thought he had coming into his career I'd rather own aj brown and i do think that in deeper leagues adam humphreys is now squarely back in play as long as ryan Tannehill is the starter yeah i agree i, I think i prefer if you own like a Corey davis I, I guess it's fine to have in season long maybe maybe now's the time to sell as high as you can on him but yeah i agree if aj brown's there i like the upside of him adam humphreys in the middle of the field uh it, it was an offense that I thought it was interesting. It was it was propelled up for sure by Ryan Tannehill. He wasn't asked to do much, but when he was, he, he looked comfortable. There was like one sack that he took that was pretty bad. He got hit while throwing another one. I think that's how his interception occurred, so it wasn't really fully his fault as much as protection just failing him. So, yeah, I thought he, he, he moved the ball down the field. Like, they actually looked fine in a functional offense, so I see no reason why he won't continue to be the quarterback moving forward. And, yeah, I lean A.J. Brown. Any interest in Alex Erickson after his breakout day <laughs> against the Jags? Yeah, no, I don't know what to do with this right now because we've seen it three straight weeks. Like his snaps came up substantially the week before his past one. They go up again. Uh, AJ Green doesn't seem like he's coming back anytime soon. I, I can't buy into it like fully right now. I don't want him on my season long teams, but like analyzing that moving forward for DFS is probably going to be more annoying than anything. I think it's just a fluky type thing. But the week before he had a fine week on increased snaps. Uh, we'll see what happens with John Ross's status. But Auden Tate, all these guys out there, it's like pick your guy for that week. And Tyler Boyd seems to be the one going a little bit under the radar, not producing. So I don't think I'm going to buy in on Alex Erickson just yet, but I mean, props to him. He's had now two good weeks in a row and a huge week this past week. Uh, if Tyrell Williams does end up missing like a few more weeks, is there any, like besides Waller and besides Jacobs, is there any Raider you would actually want to own? Cause I don't. Yeah, no, I'm not even going to make a case. Like I think in the preseason, he looked really good. Keelan Doss, he looked, pretty good above average for preseason type players and now they're really thin at wide receiver trevor davis taking over wide receiver one duties the last week week or two for their games uh, but i don't want to own those guys if you're in a really deep league then davis and keelan doss are okay and i would probably have doss over davis but i don't want them in anything else uh former fantasy sleeper uh day sean hamilton jake seeley's guy could be worth an ad this week. And you get him for zero bucks if he's out there because no one wants him. But there's just trade rumors swirling around Emmanuel Sanders with Denver out of it already that if Sanders was to go away, Hamilton would start recouping a lot of the value that people thought he could have coming into the season. Very clearly, Cortland Sutton is the guy in Denver. But again, this is probably more for a 14 or 16 team league that he's free right now if you have the bench space. I'd rather have him than Alex Erickson, put it that way. Yeah, I think I agree with that. If, if indeed you're just kind of hedging on there's a trade for Sanders. You saw it last year uh, for a couple of weeks towards the end of the year after the Achilles rupture for Sanders. Hamilton, uh, Penn State's own Hamilton, had a very good uh, end to his season, finding the end zone a lot there. So, yeah, I think that's a fine ad, especially, yeah, mainly in deeper leagues. I probably don't want like any of these guys in our 12-team leagues. 
No, we try to talk through the top of guys you can actually pick up in shallower leagues, and we talk through the deep guys. Let's move to tight end very briefly. It's all a lot of the same guys from last week, but injuries that cropped up. Delaney Walker exited the game with an ankle injury. Jared Cook missed the week with an ankle injury, also being the worst. That doesn't help for him. Matt Lacoste will not play on Monday night. Chris Herndon will not play on Monday night. Jeff Swaim missed the week. Vernon Davis ended up missing the week. So for pickups, I got Herndon still. He should return next week, hopefully. Gerald Everett, those are the two that you want to go get after that i think there's a little mini tier of ebron fells howard and hawkinson and then it's just guys you pick up if you have no one else goddard witten knox jimmy graham unless you want to make like a case for one of these guys you know i don't i don't make no case for any of them it's already like a weak position and, and now these guys are already weaker i guess like just track some of these injuries like evan ingram seemed to get nicked up again just track some of those things but even then you're not really having too much confidence in a guy like ellison josh hill if jared cook remains out um, but those are just like weekly fillers. The guys that you named there are the guys that I would want to go after. Uh, Dallas Goddard was like the only Eagle who looked decent the other night, and even he fumbled. So um, some upside there off the waivers, but not much here outside of the the top tier of the one or two guys. Uh, QB streams for week eight. I got Kirk Cousins, number one. I got Sam Darnold, number two at Jacksonville. Jameis, he's back. He can throw six picks and still score 20 fantasy points. You got to like that. I have him at number three, Gardner Minshew. I moved up Jameis Winston in my rankings once I looked at it again. Minshew against the Jets at number four. Stafford against the Giants uh, at number five. Then it's the rest. Um, Would you go Cousins over Darnold here? Because I guess you could get into a situation where they just run the ball with Dalvin Cook down the throats of Washington on Thursday night. But, Sal, this is a revenge game for Kirk Cousins. Yeah, it's a revenge game, so I think that propels it. No, I'm just kidding. I think I do want Cousins, though, over him. Um, I, I guess there's cases to be made against it. It's a short week. Uh, I just like the matchup a little bit more. And yeah, you mentioned it that this could be just Dalvin Cook touches the ball 25 times uh, and, and it kind of ruins it there. But I do think for Darnold's matchup, it's very similar. Like you're splitting hairs a little bit here. I think that Darnold's matchup against Jacksonville is also very beneficial for a guy like Le'Veon Bell, um, depending on what that offensive line looks like. So I think I slightly will prefer Kirk Cousins there and then Darnold's. Um, Minshew is a guy though that I might, I might take Minshew over all of them personally, just because of the rushing upside of a four on on the year right now, he's averaging three fantasy points per game on the ground. Like, I think I like that a little bit with the Jets outside cornerbacks being pretty pitiful this year. Uh, So what you're saying is that Gardner Minshew is like the homeless man's Josh Allen, the homeless man's Josh Allen. Who's yeah. A little bit shorter. His little brother, maybe. Yeah, maybe he does like kind of what Josh Allen does, but not as good. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, Josh Allen in that game, it was just so fun to watch once again, like, People just one time, just a defender just bounces off of him. And then the other time he's just like, it's, it's like everybody's in slow motion running around on skates around the guy. Like, how can you be that nimble? Um, it, it's crazy. Josh Allen in, in that game. Uh, it, it's so fun watching him. I go out of my way to watch him on Sundays. Hey, he's, he's, there's one thing like Lamar Jackson's probably the most exciting player to watch outside of Mahomes when Mahomes is going at like full strength because he can make any throw and do anything on the field. Lamar is just super exciting because he has this other gear where it's almost the same thing. Like everyone else is stuck in molasses and he's just like on skates on ice, just going past everyone. And then there's Josh Allen. He's probably the third most exciting player in football solely because when you drop back, you don't know what's going to happen. It could be the best play of all time. It could be the worst play of all time. You really have no idea. Yeah, the, the guy, it was like in, it's like in movies as if it's just some sort of comedy. Like he's barely moving his shoulder and people are falling like to the side of him. You have no idea how he's doing it. it it's, it's great to watch. I'm looking for an update right now on Matt Ryan's ankle injury. Uh, so you get stumped the shop back in there. And that's not good for any Atlanta receivers, especially being at Seattle next week. But what, what do you do with the Atlanta offense if Matt Ryan misses time? Is it just, hey, I'll start Julio and 
Hooper, that's it? Yeah, I think at this point you just go in and you start Hooper. Obviously, the very soft zone on that last drive, just garbage time, six catches, but he at least was looking Hooper's way. Tight ends, for the most part, will will benefit from that in the middle of the field. But, yeah, I think that's what it is. It's you start Julio because you have him on your team. You're probably not going to bench him. He's a guy that you know Schaub's going to throw to. And then at this point, Hooper's just solidified himself as you're, on your team specifically, probably as the number one tight end. And the guys on the waiver, you're not going to want to start over him. But, yeah, I don't want Ridley. Um, Devonta Freeman, I expect him that he'll be playing. I don't think they're going to suspend him any further than just that game. But I don't want any of those guys. The offense takes a huge hit. And, honestly, uh, the defense in terms of pick six is they're going to be a team that uh, you can probably now stream a defense against if they're available against the matchup if he starts. Well, they might be actually on your waiver wires because the threshold is 60% or less in terms of ownership. So the week eight streaming defense is available on the waiver wire. There's some good ones this week. I have Pittsburgh at number one. Like I had mentioned earlier against Miami on Monday night, that's a really good one. And again, if you play in those leagues where you can make that move right now because the team hasn't played, just go pick up the Steelers, drop someone you didn't play who sucks from your lineup, then you have the Steelers for next week. The Broncos against the Giants, uh, I really like that as well. That's in Denver. Oh, sorry, Detroit. Uh, Detroit against the Giants. Uh, that is the one that I'm talking about. That's in Detroit. Seattle at Atlanta. Uh, that's the one that, that no one really owns the Seahawks, especially after playing the Ravens. That, that's probably the one that you want to go to. And then you have the Colts against Denver. I think that's a really good one. Eagles at Buffalo is super sneaky as well, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, that is – everyone's going to hate the Eagles after – watching them get obliterated on Sunday night. Uh, the Bills, I mean, they could have lost to the Dolphins. That was very much in play. And Josh Allen is prone to just making some terrible choices. And is Josh Allen really the guy to take advantage of you having the worst secondary? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, this would be the week, if any, to kind of break the curse. I think it's like, I don't know the exact quote, but earlier in the year, it was like 33 straight games without a 300-yard passer for the Bills. And Josh Allen had like 200 at the half, and they were all going crazy. And then he finishes with like 230 in the game. But – it could be that week. I think that those are definitely all good choices. The Pittsburgh one we talked about earlier is fantastic. And then uh, Seattle, for sure, if you do get Matt Schaub, a guy who's just been notorious for pick sixes. Um, I think that the Chargers are interesting. I don't know what their threshold is right now, but against the Bears, we saw Trubisky just look absolutely like a donkey, and they can't establish anything on the ground. They're not even really trying to. I think they had like five total running back carries. So the Chargers defense, albeit banged up, if they're available and you're in a bind, I think they're in a, a pretty good matchup against Trubisky. So let's move. To Monday Night Football, the Patriots are at the Jets. This had briefly dropped minus nine, then nine and a half. It's back up to 10, money flooding back in on the Patriots. After a little bit of a groundswell for the Jets, we know Cust, super lock of the week, Jets plus nine and a half, but we'll see how that ends up working out for him. He's not having a great picks week. Not like me, who's currently 11 and two and needs the Patriots to cover to really get back in this, take a stranglehold on our picks contest. But... Are there any props tonight? Do you have a lean in this game? Because this game is actually a no bet for me. I can see how the Jets do cover, but I, I don't have a strong feeling either way. Do you? No, this, this game is just gross. I mean, there's injuries everywhere. Patriots ruling out a bunch of guys again on the offense for the Jets. There's injuries on their offensive line. Um, you have uh, one guy's not going to be playing. Then you have Khalil, who's questionable coming in, going to be playing limited. That's a center. So there's just injuries everywhere. And honestly, if anything, I lean the Patriots. I mean, historically, just being able to cover, but then also... Uh, this defense is just going to overmatch them. I think the best matchup individually for the Jets is going to be Crowder out of the slot. That's just like the one spot against Jonathan Jones that you can target a cornerback. But even Jones has been pretty solid. So, yeah, overall, I would lean the Patriots to cover here. The line's moving that way, so you might be a little bit late and just kind of, yeah, not bet this game at all. I'm not going to have any props or anything in it. I'm not even this, – this might be the first showdown in uh, like a, a month or two that I just sit out because there's just so many pieces of it. 
Um, and, and we'll get into it in a second, I bet. But just so many pieces of it that are just very loose right now. And the, the pricing is very odd. It's a lot of guys in the, in the mid range that can do anything. So you're not really getting an advantage from going to one over the other. Uh, is there any parts of this game, game where you would specifically lean? Like, I know no one's going to use Robbie Anderson. It's a terrible matchup. But would that steer you towards using him in DraftKings Showdown as, like, a captain in case he can just – we know he has the big play potential. We saw it against Dallas a week ago. That maybe somehow there's broken coverage. It's not likely, but if there is, and then Darnold can find him downfield, that you have, like, 1% captain Robbie Anderson. He's scoring, like, 80-yard touchdowns. Yeah, I, I think that that's an option. I probably don't get there. I think so. The biggest thing that I've been doing, and it's been for like the past month, and it's, I don't even know if it's right. I think it's hard to really judge these things in this short of a sample, but I've just been, if there's like a quarterback who's extremely expensive, I just, if I play like 30, 40, 50 lineups, I just completely erase him. So Aaron Rodgers last Monday night, I had 0% of Mahomes, I had 0%, of which probably wouldn't have worked out for me if not being for that injury. But now you get Tom Brady at 11,600. For a guy like Tom Brady to pay that off, a lot of guys have to do poorly, which this would be the matchup for that to happen with Darnold against his defense. But then also Julian Edelman's 11,200 on DraftKings. Like the, the odds of Edelman outscoring Brady in a winning lineup are very high. The odds of them both being together and you having the salary cap to make that work elsewhere and not have a better optimal lineup, to me, it just doesn't add up. So I've been fading like top end quarterbacks when they hit the $11,000 range. Uh, Rodgers was the same price. Mahomes was 12,000. So if I play tonight, I'm going to end up probably more times than not having just 0% Brady and that's just the way I've been doing it. It's I've had my, two of my best showdowns the past month doing that. It's such a small sample to really see if it works at all, but it's just betting on I don't think Brady's in the winning lineup and I'm going to build a ton of lineups around that. So if we talk about props, just very briefly, uh, the Julian Edelman prop is over five and a half catches. That sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good, yeah, especially Dorsett is like, no sure thing to play tonight either. So then it's just, it's like Matthew Slater from special teams and Jacoby Myers and then Edelman. You have James White out of the backfield, Sony Michelle running more routes, but five and a half. Yeah, I would lean over. Yeah, and Jamison Crowder is the over four and a half. I can see that too. The yardage props are a bit tougher. Like Philip Dorsett's over under if he does end up playing is three and a half, and that's actually juiced down. The other Edelman and Jacoby Myers, five and a half and two and a half are juiced up. So what that means is you have to lay $160 to win $100 on the over for Julian Edelman. You have to lay $150 to win $100 on the over for Jacoby Myers. For Philip Dorsett, you only have to lay $110 to win 100 if you can get over the three and a half. But maybe the better look here is like Edelman over 76 and a half yards because the juice is down on that one it's only minus 120 so you save yourself some money on the vig I, I would you, do you he gets over that Does, who else they throw into yeah Edelman Edelman's in a sneaky spot because obviously people know him as a slot wide receiver but he's going to play on the outside tonight which benefits him normally it wouldn't but in the slot they have Brian Poole for the Jets who's by far their best cornerback like the guys on the outside Daryl Roberts and Tremaine Johnson have been terrible this year. Darrell Roberts a little bit better, but still like allowing a hundred pass rating against. So Edelman will probably face both of those guys because Jacoby Myers played three quarters of his snaps out of the slot. So yeah, that's a bonus for Edelman. Maybe not for the catches shorter and quicker, but overall upside. um, I think that's a bonus. I think I like Edelman's yardage more than his catches just because he'll be on the outside more, but yeah, both seem fine. I also think that just thinking about the whole season that some of these props might be a little bit juiced down for the Jets because of obviously the overwhelming like um, favoritism to this New England defense. But if you if you go through and look at it, and you could weigh it as much as you want, but in terms of a quarterback to finish all four quarters, Daniel Jones has been the best quarterback that they've faced with a supporting cast of like Rhett Ellison and Cody Lattimore and Darius Shepard. So I do think like the Jamison Crowder props uh, being at four and a half, I think in most weeks, if they had a different type of schedule, you might see that at a five or a five and a half. So that's something that stands out. Maybe Sam Donald's passing yards, if, if you have those up, 
Uh, that could be something if it's somewhere in like the, the two, low 200 range that stands out. They are. Uh, 218.5 is the over-under for Sam Darnold passing yards. Yeah, so those those like Jets cornerbacks right now, when they're playing man coverage, or the, the New England quarterbacks, when they're playing man coverage, their top four corners are only allowing like 123 yards a game. But again, the best quarterback they faced is Daniel Jones. After that, it's literally Ryan Fitzpatrick or Colt McCoy because Josh Allen left in like the second quarter. So I think some of those are a little bit propped down. I, I think I take, um, I lean more so to get the Jets players uh, like Darnold and Crowder, who I think their props are just naturally lower. I, the 218 and a half is like uh, almost like a push for me. If it was like 208, I would like it. Hmm, I'm just looking here at Tom Brady. So 41 pass attempts against the Giants, 42 against Washington, 39, 42, 28, 36. I, I thought that would be, I, I didn't realize he was throwing the ball 40 times a game. I guess when you dink and dunk, that's exactly what's going to end up happening and throwing a lot of these shorter A dot routes. But I, the, his over under is 37 and a half. This feels like a game where the Patriots just might try to run the ball as much as possible if they can actually do that with Sony Michelle. Like you can't parlay props from the same game, but if you could, that would be a nice correlation to go like under attempts for Tom Brady over rushing attempts for Sony Michelle. Probably why they don't want you to parlay them together, but if you just want to bet like bet in correlation if you have a way almost like drafting a drafting showdown lineup where you want to tell yourself a story of how this game is going to go that that might be the way to do it if you want to play a few props the one i actually kind of like the most the jets defense is just a smidge better than it's been is what the hell's the guy's name mike nugent over seven and a half points from the kicking so so seven and a half total points. Okay. Um, yeah, I like that. So you're, you're basically, that's, that's actual scoring, right? Not DraftKings? No, that's actual scoring. So that's two field goals and two extra points would be the easiest way to get there. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they're, they're implied for close to like, what, what is it? Was it 28 I saw or is it 26 now? Um, they're implied for a total close to 30. So uh, yeah, all, all you really need to do there is hope that they're going to settle a couple of times. And the amount of times that they're going to move the ball into Jets territory, you would imagine is good. So yeah, at the end of the day, you're banking on field goals there. The field goal prop in that stance is probably like over under two to correlate with it. So that's another spot where if you are going to take the total points over, you might as well take the field goals over. All right. Any uh, final thoughts, Sal, before we get out of here? No, I, I think that's all. I think it was a, a good first kind of look at some of these props and then just kind of replaying and recapping what we did this past weekend. It was good. Thanks for having me on, man. This is a ton of fun. Yeah, actually, you know what? let's jump into the chat here. If anyone has some sort of fantasy football related question, pickups, trades, whatever it might be, Sal and I will answer them for the next five minutes. So we have one here. Do both Robbie's unders in receptions and yardage make sense? I'd say yes, but those are juice to the teeth is the problem. Almost like the Edelman over the Robbie Anderson uh, over the oh, the under receptions at three and a half for Robbie Anderson is juiced up to 170 right now. Everyone is on that under. So if you didn't hit it early, you don't have to wager 170 bucks to win a hundred. And that's that's just too much for that's too much vig for a prop. Like you get you get rooked on props to begin with as it pertains to the vig because it's gonna be it's gonna be 20 cents on each side, 70 cents for it. I'm not that confident it's not gonna hit. Yeah, you you can't even look at it like you're just playing that bet at that time. Then you have to like. If you're eating that juice, you then have to tell yourself, well, now I have to win an extra bet this week to be profitable if you want to look at it that way. So, yeah, when it hits that far, it has to be something like uh, – it reminds me of just like baseball lines when there's a really good pitcher going. Like you have to win more bets now, and we all know that it's just hard to win any of these props straight up to begin with. So, yeah, I pass on that. Uh, the next one is Ben Watson thoughts on the over-under. Uh, he actually has the most juiced over of anyone. Two and a half receptions for Ben Watson is minus 180. 
Man. So he, yeah, Ben Watson, they, they re-signed Ben Watson and it's, it's a spot where they're going to have to use a tight end. Cause they have him and Eric Tomlinson, Tomlinson, a blocking tight end, but Watson's, I mean, you see him in the receiving game in, in the past, but mainly a blocking tight end too. So I'm not even sure that I want to place that bet either. Uh, Freeman, Marlon Mack, Gordon, I assume that's Melvin Gordon, uh, or carry on Johnson. Which one are you selling? I Devonta Freeman sucks. Sell him. Yeah, I, I would sell Devonta Freeman. It depends what you can get for it. If you can get more top dollar because people still are holding on to the name of Melvin Gordon, then I would sell that. All right. What should you do with Joe Mixon? Hey, you got to hold him and just hope this ends up working out. But he's basically unplayable right now. Yeah, and it, I, I don't. Even, it, none of this is really Mixon's fault, in my opinion. He's on the field limited snaps, which is somewhat coaching. But this offensive line is terrible. Like they just find and suspended an offensive lineman who was going to come back and be good for them. I get. I guess he was doing conduct detrimental to the team saying some things that were going against team's beliefs but fine two hundred thousand dollars and suspended in the week he was due back yeah he has no running lanes you can't even sell low on the guy now nobody wants to buy him you're going to be trading for guys on the waivers for this guy so you have to hold on to him at this point and hope just guys get healthy on that line but it does not look good christopher asks i have Ertz and waller should i buy low on juju for Ertz? i actually would waller is probably going to outscore Ertz this year so waller's the guy you want to keep and if you can get juju for him Maybe roll the dice and they figure this stuff out during the bye week. Yeah, I, I would try and I would try and sell Ertz. I want to keep Waller as well, especially after that extension. There's real belief in this guy. Uh, Ertz, selling him for Juju. Yeah, when you have the tight end depth, I would do it. But I feel like you can get a little bit higher for Ertz. It's having sort of a down season, but he, he holds a lot of name value at a tight end position that's very valuable for people. Yeah, especially if the team with Devontae Adams doesn't have a tight end. Maybe you give up Ertz and like your third running back for Devontae Adams or just, hey, Ertz for Adams, straight up. Adams can't even stay healthy. I don't even know if he's going to be back. That's probably the better target. So yeah, maybe see if you can get more for Juju. I would take Juju for Ertz though. Yeah, I think I would too, especially in that situation with Waller. Uh, Juju owners, it seems like, I don't know if it's just for my leagues, but they're real desperate. We had a guy trade um, Juju for Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary, like, is real life okay, but he's not good in fantasy. He doesn't play more than Frank Gore does. Yeah, and that's the problem. Frank Gore is just an absolute fantasy killer. Like, he, he's father time, and he's just sunning the kids behind him right now in terms of the snap count. Uh, Philip asked, trade Khalil Mack for Chase Edmonds? I have no comment on this, except for one. Like, you're like myself included here. You're a pretty big loser if you're this into fantasy to begin with. If you're playing IDP fantasy, like, get out of your mom's basement. Like, give your head a shake, pal. Go get laid or something. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea what to even say about that. Um, I'm a little bit bothered by that. I don't know. I think we should just move on. Yeah, all right. Uh, top three players to target for fantasy playoffs. I have no idea. I haven't looked in that shit yet. Have you? I haven't. Uh, no, I, I guess one player is just Le'Veon Bell, but people want to target him anyways. If you look at Le'Veon Bell's schedule after this just terrible matchup against the Patriots, uh, there's a lot of weak opponents leading into the fantasy playoffs, a lot of very beneficial matchups. That's the one spot that I've been looking at, but I haven't looked too deep into it other than that. I have the option to trade Juju for Julian Edelman. Thoughts? I would make that move. I would take Julian Edelman. Yes, I, yeah, I, I would too. I would take Julian Edelman there. And, Just, and I, I mean, the, the quarterback play is enough to say it. And that's in PPR or standard leagues for me. Yeah, I agree. All right. Sal, what you got coming up on your YouTube channel this week? And where else can people find your work? Yeah, so on the YouTube channel this week, I'll be having just videos every single day and related to daily fantasy sports and fantasy football, but also this week starting NBA daily videos for DraftKings. Uh, that is on my YouTube channel, just Sal Vetri, my name on any platform. That is stripped down into an audio version for a podcast, Sal Vetri on any audio platforms, you'll find it. And then um, you can find me on Twitter at Sal Vetri DFS, and I'll be on the Awesome Most YouTube channel on Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 11 a.m. as a guest as well. 
All right, so if you want to get into a draw for 20 DK dollars out there, the first thing you do, smash the like button for the episode, and I gave you two different ways to do it this week. You can leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section of this video and tell me who you'd have ranked as your fifth best team in the NFL right now, or who would you rather have for the rest of the season between Chase Edmonds and Latavius Murray. Both ways you can get to the draw for 20 DK bucks. You can also do that by following me on Instagram at the PME, commenting on a sports photo that goes up there with your DraftKings handle. And the most important, we actually have to give two winners to this one this week, but subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience podcast, audio podcast. Download all the episodes that are up there anytime it's new. You don't need to listen to that shit, but you can just download it. Counts towards my numbers. Leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle, and something nice about the show, and you will be in the draw for 20 DK bucks. Winners announced on this show every single Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern time on the DraftKings YouTube channel. If you want to find the snap shares for running backs for the week, description of the video. If you want to find the waiver wire pickup power rankings and injury report, which get updated all the way to Tuesday night, in the description of this video and podcast, or just up on DKPlaybook.com, where it always is, along with my rankings and everything else like that. All right? Thank you all for watching. Appreciate it. Good luck in week eight. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!